0: Before officially moving out to California, I took a trip out here about a month or two in advance, uh, had a work meeting, and then I also took the weekend to, to spend some time with some friends. So I rented a car during that time, and when I was hanging out with my friends, we were going on different you know, trips to go see a lot of touristy stuff because I hadn't spent a lot of time in Orange County uh, before. So I wanted to see what it was all about uh, before I potentially moved out here. And I had my rental car. And you'd always hear about the traffic in California. There's always so much traffic. Well, I thought I'd hit a gold mine because I found a highway called the the 73. And I went up and down the 73. And I'm like, people in California are crazy. What are you talking about? You have a a highway that barely anybody gets on. And silly me didn't realize the 73 was a toll road. Uh, I, I realized that probably a couple months later when I was back at home, uh, in Texas, uh, not even thinking about the trip anymore, when I get a, a letter in the mail from California toll roads, I thought, this is weird. I don't live in California. Why am I getting a letter from them? And when I opened up the letter, I saw a big fat bill that was $300 plus, $300 plus for toll road violations. So immediately, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I pick up the phone and I call Enterprise because I had their car. And I asked them, said, hey, I just got this bill in the mail for $300 plus saying that I owe this in tolls. I, I don't understand. Like, There has to be a mistake here. And I remember the person told me, sir, there's no mistake. You agreed and signed to these terms and conditions. These terms and conditions said that any toll purchases that you encounter, that you would take care of them on time. And so I can send you that if you'd like me to. And, of course, me, in my mind, I don't know why I thought I had this toll, this, this car and that I was going on a toll and, you know, Enterprise would take care of it, right? That's, that's part of the deal. Of course not. Uh, but they told me that I had signed the terms and conditions to agree to that. So eventually, I had to pay it, and and just thank God I called and I told them, "Look, I'm from Texas. I don't know anything about California. Like, please have pity on me." And and whomever I was talking to, I guess they were having a good day because uh, they they knocked the bill down a couple of hundred dollars, and I think I ended up paying what I originally owed for going up and down the toll road. But what was interesting during that time is those terms and conditions, because like I did in that in that instance, I'm sure many of you when you get ready to you know, purchase a car or, or lease a house or, or buy a house or, or any type of uh, transaction that happens, you oftentimes get these long pages of terms and conditions. And we speed read through those and we, we hit accept that we've read everything when more often than not we hadn't read two sentences of it. And in those terms and conditions... What the company does that put those, puts those together is they put those together so that they can protect themselves. They think about anything that could possibly happen, and they put it in the terms and conditions. And so that when you hit accept, you agree to everything that's on that list, and you won't hold them liable for that. Well, oftentimes as Christians, we tend to read the Bible like terms and conditions. We just speed read through it, get a couple applications from it, and say, I know Christianity. I got it. I don't need any more. Well, unlike those companies that do it to protect themselves, God gives us specific warnings. And he gives us one particular warning in this final beatitude of something that we can anticipate that's going to come in this life if you are a Christian. So if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to talk through the final beatitude um, Today, uh, during this time, and my goal for this sermon is to be able to show you, although this was almost two thousand years ago when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, this message about the this particular persecution is directly relevant. For us today, directly relevant. And I I wanna show you that, and I wanna show you because oftentimes when we read things, we have a tendency to say, well, that was just back then. It's not quite like that. But this that I'm gonna show you today has direct implications to how we are in America, here in South Orange County in particular, and how this message is for us. I'm also gonna show you how we can prepare ourselves for any persecution that may come our way by being rooted in Christ. And then lastly, i want to give you examples and show you in Scripture how you can know for certain that you're on the right path with Christ and not headed somewhere else and uncertain about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 5, before we get into our final beatitude and going through verses 10 through 12, let's talk about where we've been. So the first beatitude that we talked about is, is being poor in spirit. So at that point where you realize you, you need God, you're not, not self-sufficient enough, we're, we're banked, bankrupt, we need to have God. And then we transition from poor in spirit to those who mourn. We start to feel the weight of our sin. We start to feel it as uh, when we sin, it's, 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 it's in direct contrast to, to God. And we don't want to do that. And we start to feel the weight of our sin. And then you and I spoke about this before is blessed are the meek. So remember that the meek are those that are self control. And I defined it this way the last time is it's the ability to be able to do something, but to have the self-control not to do it, not to be prideful, not to be egotistical. Then we get into those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, Those that just can't get enough of God, can't get enough of the Bible. We always want to just be in God's word. We always want to be learning about it, talking about it, worshiping, being around God's people. And then we talk about uh, blessed are those that are merciful. we're, We're merciful towards others because we know how much mercy God has shown us in our lives. And then we get to blessed are the pure in heart. So that's the the new heart, the regenerated heart, the new creation in Christ that we have. It's it's not 90% Christ and then 10% what I want to do. It's not 80-20. It's 100% pure in heart, pure with Christ. And then we get to blessed are the peacemakers. So those that are out there striving to to build those bridges, those that are not conforming, but building those relationships, trying to connect so that we can share the peace. And what is that peace that we talk about? Well, Jesus is the the Prince of Peace, uh, is what the the Old Testament looks forward to to Jesus being, the Prince of Peace. And so the only way we have a relationship with God is if we have Jesus Christ, and we're looking to share that. We're looking to share that peace uh, that allows us to have a relationship and allows us to be in the presence of God after this life is done. And all of that adds up. All of that comes together. In the end, it funnels down to our final beatitude is blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are those that are persecuted. So when you, you list through all seven of them, those are, are, are more or less positive, nice to have. But guess what? With all of that being said, there comes persecution. And verses 11 and 12, because you might say, well, what about those? Those are, are supporting verses for the beatitude in verse 10. And, and, and the persecution is so important, so important that Jesus gives us two blessedness for the persecution. And, and verse 10 and verse 11 starts with blessed. And so let me read it for you in, in full. In verse 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So Not to be misunderstood with, hey, if I go out and sin, if I go out and do things uh, with an evil mindset and I get in trouble and I get persecuted, that's not for righteousness sake. Jesus is saying, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake, for for striving to glorify me. Those are the ones that he's referring to at this time. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when... See that word there, when, not if, not maybe, but when. It's going to happen if you're in Christ. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kind of evil against you falsely on my account. Then it finishes with, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I know what you might be thinking. is like, man, it seems like we've been talking about persecution a lot. And we have. And I think even for me personally, I, I preached on that in, in First Peter in our, our series in the spring with that one. So even for me, when I, when I originally got this text, I was like, ah, persecution again. Um, but what, what, what's, what's different here? And what's different here is the context. And so if you look at the context and you take a look at the audience that Jesus is talking to during this time, Again, Jesus is, is coming on the scene. He's starting to get popular now. People are, are starting to follow him and listen to him and, and realize like th- this, this might be or this is the Messiah that, we, that the Old Testament talks about. And so they're following him. Uh, there, there hasn't been any martyrs at this point. The first martyr that we see in Scripture is Stephen, and that happens in Acts. Well, the, the martyrs haven't happened at this point. So I'm sure there's been some persecution for those that are looking to follow Christ, but not at the, the, the expense of being killed, being martyred, because we haven't seen that yet. So that's how we can relate to Jesus's audience right now, because they're sitting in the same place that you and I are here in South Orange County, and we're looking at, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ overseas, and yeah, they're getting killed for Christ, for, for their faith right now. We might look at that and say, well, it's not that bad here, but that's not right now. We don't know what the future may hold, and I want to point you to a few things that can show you. I don't think we're too far from it to where our faith is going to require much more faith than than just saying verbally. Uh, it's going to require us to be able to, to face this persecution and continue to not conform. So, again, the audience that Jesus is talking to right now, they're more sitting in the same boat as us as opposed to the audience in 1 Peter who was in the middle of being persecuted by Nero. So they don't know what's to come. Jesus knows what's to come. And Christ was preparing them by saying... Be on guard because persecution is part of being a Christian. So, just like many Christians today, you may be curious or wondering, man, there's a lot going on in the world. It just seems like Christianity is getting clamped down on. What what's next? What could be next? Well, one thing that I, I will tell you is this should not cause us to be anxious shouldn't cause us to worry shouldn't cause us to necessarily be concerned it should cause us to to get closer draw a closer and stronger relationship with Jesus Christ because you see Jesus Christ was the one who who knows he knows the beginning to the end right he knew during that time when he was forecasting that persecution would come he, he knew the level of persecution that was to come. The audience didn't quite know. Just like you and I, we, we don't know what the level of persecution is to come for us in the future, but Jesus knows. And so we should cling closely to him, knowing that he's the one that knows, and he's the one that's given the warning signs for us of what's to happen in the future, and that those warning signs that he gives to us, even 2,000 years ago in the Sermon of the Mount, they still apply to us today. And that brings us to our first point. I want you to write it down this way is, know that Christ's warnings apply today. Know that Christ's warnings apply today. You see, it's not just terms and agreement that we just blow past, right? That we're reading the document and we just say, I get it after one or two sentences. It's not that. We need to prepare ourselves. And I want to show you how it's equally relevant today. In terms of the persecution, so the, the world is, is is tightening the grip on us right now in at, in the church for Christians. I'll give you an example: you have organizations that are coming up, coming out saying we don't, we want to do away with the nuclear family. We want to do away with husband, wife, child, son, daughter. We want that to be gone, and we want to welcome any type of family that you bring to the table. And whatever a family is to you, that's what it is, and and that's what we want to support. We want to do away with how God designed the family to be. See, the world is tightening the grips on us. Uh, You might look at the government. You have politicians trying to tell the church how it should be ran currently under the current circumstances can't be indoors. If you go indoors, you have to have a certain amount of people that that is your your maximum. And if you can't meet that, then you just can't meet. Or you you can't worship. You can't sing. uh, You can't do all these other things. You see, this is the world continuing to try to put pressure on the church, on Christians. Or you you might run your own company. And you might be like the the gentleman that was in, in Colorado that owned a bakery, And because he decided he didn't want to bake a cake to support a, a wedding that he didn't support, then he all of a sudden gets lawsuits. And not just one, but multiple lawsuits. In any other situation, if you don't like what you see, if you don't like the experience that you're having at any type of retail restaurant or retail store or restaurant, then you just go to the next restaurant, right? Not in this situation. Because the world wants to put pressure on Christians, they don't just leave and go to another bakery. They try to make this bakery, this, this company, this, this man's um, store not exist anymore. And so there's multiple lawsuits until they get their way. And so it's going to continue to put pressure on us. One other thing to look at is, is Christian universities. You have these universities that were built on Christian biblical principles that that's no more the case. You can't tell that that's a Christian school outside of of the name because they look just as secular as the next state school. But again, the reason that's changed is because the world is continuing to put pressure on these areas that have any, any, any form of Christianity within it. John 15, 19 says this, if you were of the world the world would love you as its own. Again, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. So once you agree and once you conform, once you, once you give up your, your Christian principles, then they'll say, cool, we'll leave you alone. But the rest of that verse says, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And it's going to continue to hate you. It's going to continue to put pressure on you. It's going to continue to make you feel like, this isn't right. Should I, should I jump ship? And you'll have those thoughts. And that's what the world wants. The world wants to shame you and wants to do everything that it, has, that it has in its power to conform you, to move off of what the Bible commands us to be as Christians. Well, those are what's happening in, in sort of the world for us. But what about for you? What's happening in your life? What fears do you have of persecution? Is it if I go to my workplace and I preach the gospel that I may get fired? Is it, you know, if I tell someone right now that God's in full control and God is sovereign and he has a plan, are they going to mock me? Are they going to ridicule me? Are they going to make fun of me because it seems like utter chaos and that God's not in control? Or what about when you, when you think about telling someone that, hey, I know there's all these problems going on in the world right now, but the true cause of all of this is sin. And the only way we solve these problems is not not changing companies or not changing verbiage or not taking down statues. It's Christ is the only way we solve these problems. What would people do to you then? Are they going to be offended? Are they going to come after you because you're not taking their side? Those are some of the forms of persecution that we have. What about, let's take it even closer to home. What about within your family? When your family starts to realize that you choose to follow Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life up above your family, above your, your wife, what does that look like? What, what does that persecution look like? Do you conform and just you know, keep silent and, and keep the peace? Or do you make it clear that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life? Well, it doesn't stop there just physically. It also goes into the, the spiritual aspect of it. There's spiritual persecution that we all face as Christians. And that spiritual persecution is that constant battle in your mind of, like, I, I'm not good enough, or maybe this isn't for me. You know, I, I'm having problems praying or, or reading the Bible like I should. I don't have the desire to do it right now. Maybe I should just give up. It's those that persecution from a spiritual warfare standpoint in your mind that causes you to have that too. Look, if you're if you're not a Christian and it doesn't bother your conscience to read the Bible or not read the Bible, you're not going to deal with that persecution. You know what? If you miss the Bible for a week, a month, a year, it's not a big deal. But when you're a believer and you miss the Bible for a day, right, a week. I hope that's not the case, but if it happens, then you just have this battle of maybe you should just give up. Maybe you should just conform. It's, it's much easier to just do what the rest of the world is doing. And maybe right now you're, you're hearing these things that I'm talking about, and you're saying, I- I'm not experiencing any of those. I've actually found a way to blend in with the world and have Christ too. And I'll tell you this as lovingly as possible. You're following Christ the wrong Jesus Christ. You're not following Jesus Christ of the Bible. If you're not having any of this, any of these doubts, any of these, these these thoughts that come in your mind or any of this this persecution, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, and you, you think you found a way to marry the world with 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 the Bible, with Christ, then you're following the wrong Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you to to pick up the word, read scripture, understand who Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian because there's just there's just no way. And you you might even think that well because I've done this, you know, I, I'm not facing persecution. And really what it is is uh, Satan's not after you because you're you're on his team. You're on his team. There's no reason to defend you. There's no reason to try to trip you up because you're playing for him. The Bible makes it so clear, so clear that we we shouldn't miss it. The word persecution is is it's listed 30 times in the New Testament. 30 times. Just think about that. If you're reading any document, any book, if something is given to you 30 times, it might require some more attention to it. It might require you to say there must be something there, especially when God is giving it to us so clear. He's not saying maybe. He's not saying if in any of these statements. I'll, I'll give you another one. Second Timothy 3. Verses 12 through 13, it says, indeed, all, not some, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, will be persecuted. So he's he's not saying, hey, some of you will, some of you won't. He's saying all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Verse 13 says, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why does the world persecute us? Why do they persecute? Because, one, we're not from here. And they, they love evil. They love their team. And then the last thing is, is you have something. You have this hope. You have this, uh, this, this this confidence in this life and what's to come next that they don't have. It's like playing for a championship team. If you've won a championship and you go to an opponent's arena one, you're going to stand out because you're not wearing the same jerseys that they're wearing. You're, 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 you don't belong there. You're just there to play, and then you're out. That's not your home. So they are immediately not going to like you. They're going to go against you. The second piece of it is that they, the, the, the crowd... The rest of everybody else that's in the the arena, they love their team. They love the evilness. They love the wickedness. So they're going to do everything to help their team to take you out. And then lastly, you have something that they can't get. You're a champion. You have a a trophy. You have a ring, whatever it is, and they don't have that. So while they can't get it from you, they're going to do everything to to take you out to make you feel like your ring's not worth it. And that you, they, they've been able to take you out of the game. They've been able to overcome you. But we just have to understand that we have something that, that cannot be taken away. We have Jesus Christ. We have our hope in him. Is it easier to conform? Yeah, it is. It is. I'll be honest. It's easier to conform. Is it easy just to, to give up and, 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 and go be like the rest of the world? Yes. Yes. It is. It is. But what does God call us to do? He says, don't take the easy road. The easy road leads to destruction. And is He calling us to conform at all? Absolutely not. It's a cost to be a disciple, it's a cost to follow Jesus Christ. I love it the way John and Peter put it before the council in Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So again, if you remember this, John and Peter, they were trying to find things to pin against them, and they just couldn't find anything. They said, okay, let's just go to them and tell them you're free, but just don't speak about Jesus anymore. And I love their response. It says, verse 19, but Peter and John answered them. And said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. So you see, that's the, the, the great commission here. Our job is to, to go out and share Christ. And this is where I want to give you some encouragement. Going out to share Christ, going out to tell somebody that they're a sinner, that they're destined for hell, it's not easy to do. But one of the most encouraging things that God has given us on earth is to be able to share Christ with somebody and see God use you as an instrument to turn someone's life around, to turn someone's heart and have them be all for Christ and be saved. If you've experienced that, whether you've been the last leg where somebody's come to Christ in front of you or you've been the one to plant or water the seeds and you've seen somebody's life change, it's all worth it. And it's so encouraging, my brothers. And I would say, go after that. But guess what? There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be opposition within that. So what should we do with this warning? There's one thing we should do with this warning. And it's not check it off and and go try to... uh, complete some tasks. It's develop a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Help Let that drive us to Jesus Christ. And we need to be deeply rooted in Christ because if we're deeply rooted in Christ, then when all the winds and, and uh, the different things that happen in culture that go left and go right, we're deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. We don't get blown away with all of that that comes towards us. We're ready for persecution. We're ready for anything that the world has to offer if we're rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's our second point for today is be rooted in Jesus. Be rooted in Jesus. So you don't need to try to find out where Jesus fits. He needs to be your entire life. He doesn't need to, if it's first, second, third, don't don't worry about that. He needs to be your entire life and everything else flows through Jesus in your life. And you may think you have a good enough grip, but you want to be certain that your grip is 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 deeply rooted in Jesus. And we're all familiar with Matthew 13 the parable of the the sower and that's a great example, right? You have you know seeds that are sown on the rocky path and the the birds come up and scoop those up quickly. You have seeds that are planted within, you know, the uh around the rocky ground and they they sprang up and you know it's that flash in the pants of like I love Jesus and then all of a sudden it just withers and fades away with the sun and the wind. And then you have those that are planted and they grow up around thorns. And then slowly but surely the thorns just choke them out. And that's, that's the world, what it does to us now. It puts so much pressure on us that it just chokes us out and then ends up killing us in our faith. And then lastly, you have the good soil. The good soil is one that's been prepared. And you have the seeds that are planted and it just grows and grows and grows and it becomes fruitful 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And that's what we're aiming for. You're not aiming for task. You're not trying to check the, the box here and go after morals. We're aiming for Jesus. And as a result of us aiming for Jesus, as a result for us being rooted in Jesus, then these beatitudes, the, the fruit will be the result that we get from that. So when you're, when you're rooted in Jesus Christ, that's where we need to be. And, and you're never alone during that time. You're never alone. Turn with me to Matthew 10, Verse 16, Matthew 10, verse 16. Here we see Jesus talking and giving his, his last commands and teachings to his 12 disciples before he sends them out. In verse 16, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You drop down to, to verse 19, we're going to skip a couple verses. It says, it starts off again, that, that word choice. It's not maybe, it's not, there's no ambiguity in that. There's no if, there's no maybe. It says when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Verse 20, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. See there, we're not alone. We always have the Holy Spirit within us. We always have God guiding our path. We're never alone when you try to go after it by yourself, you are alone. You're alone. And I love it. verse 22, it ends with, and you will, again, there's that word, you will, that emphatic statement, uh, word will be hated for my name's sake. There's no debate there. You will be hated for my name's sake. So and we all want to stand for something. Ultimately, we all have some Something in our life that we stand for, that we're passionate about, we could talk about for days, we were ready to answer any question about. What is that for you? Is it politics? Is it is it wearing a mask, not wearing a mask? Is it sports teams uh, when they're in season? What is it for you? And once you realize what that is, that you can just go on for days and days, and you get so passionate about it, how does that compare with how much you speak about Jesus Christ and how passionate you get about Jesus Christ. Because you see, we, there should be nothing on this earth that has more roots for us as Christians than the roots that we have in Jesus Christ. That should be what we're passionate about. You're getting persecuted for, for sports teams or, or how you feel with politics. That's not worth it. Because at the end of the day, in a year, in, in, in 10 years, 99% of that stuff won't matter. If you're going to get persecuted for anything, get persecuted for righteousness sake, because that has rewards that last for eternity. So as we get ready to wrap up this Beatitudes series, uh, it's been a great series and it's been uh, a lot of learnings, even for me preaching some of these uh, sermons and then also being able to to hear them and read them and study them. But one thing I noticed about the Beatitudes is they quickly separate the Christians from the non-Christians. It just does, because you, you you can't have these as a result of your life if you're not following Christ. You might have one or two uh, but all of these are not going to be a result of your life, and as a Christ follower, this is the result. These are the characteristics of a Christian, and so all of, all eight of these are countercultural, and so that's why I said you can't have all of them because they go against everything the culture says. Like you look at poor in spirit, the culture is going to tell you be rich in self confidence. You look at blessed are those who mourn because we 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 know we're sinning against a holy God, the the culture is going to tell you, what's sin? It's it's, it's not a big deal. Everybody does it. Blessed are those who are meek. The the world is going to tell you, be prideful. Show everybody you're the boss. Uh, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. The world is going to tell you to to hunger and thirst for approval of man, approval of your bosses. Uh, What about the merciful? The, The world is going to tell you, you know, you deserve to be mad at that person. You should be mad. You shouldn't be forgiving. Pure in heart the world, like it tells many people, you're fine just the way you are. Just be you, and that's all that matters. You don't need to change your heart. What about peacemakers? The world will convince you that if everybody just listened to your opinion and, and what you had to say about things, then the world would be fine. But guess what? There's billions and billions of other people that feel that same way, so it just doesn't work. And the last one is persecution. Again, the world is going to tell you that if you don't want to be persecuted, jump on board with us and we'll leave you alone. We'll leave you alone. And if that's not enough, our flesh on top of that is, is, is leaning constantly towards the, re- the rest of the culture. Because it causes us to say, like, man, is it, is it worth it? What are people going to think of me if I stand up for Christ? What are they going to think? Are they going to ridicule me? So our flesh is on that side too, And especially as men. Men, we have this tendency to say, all right, just give me one or two tasks and let me go run after that. And I'll be good. Like I need to control something. So give me one or two Beatitudes. It doesn't work like that. We need to be running after Jesus. All of those things, all of those things, when we run after different tasks, when we start to look at what the world has to offer, all it does is take our mind off of Christ. And that can't happen. We need to, to run after Christ and be all about Jesus Christ. And that's our final point for today is be all in for Jesus. Be all in for Jesus. Not just a sprinkle, not just, you know, I, I got him. you know, I'll add Jesus to everything I have in my life that's going on that's good for me, and then I'll add a little Jesus on top. It doesn't work that way. John 15 verses 4 and 5 say this, it says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That word abide in the Greek, it translates to the word meno, which means remain. And remain where? On the vine. And uh just today here at Compass, as I was walking through the parking lot, we had gardeners out there working on the landscaping. And you know, as I walked by, there was tree branches over here and, and plants over here. And what was interesting is just yesterday those those tree those leaves and plants, they were up and they were fruitful, I guess. And today they're laying on the ground and they're dead and they're getting swept up. Well, what's the difference between today and yesterday? The difference is they were connected to the vine and they were able to produce fruit. But once they're cut off, immediately, once they're cut off from the vine, they can't produce fruit. And that's how our lives are. If we're not connected to Jesus Christ, the vine, we cannot produce fruit. We're dead in spirit, we're dead in our faith, and we can't produce fruit. So these beatitudes are, are, are characteristics of a Christian. They're the result. They're not something that we should chase after. They're much like the fruit of the spirit. Right? When you're a Christian, when you're following Jesus Christ, this is just what flows out in who you are. It's not things that you can point at and say, I want a little bit of this, I want a little bit of that. It's like when you go to you know, a big fancy dinner and they have a fixed menu. This is it. You don't get to substitute anything. This is what you get, and when you strive after Jesus Christ, this is what flows out of your life. So being in seminary right now, um, it's, it's great learning a ton, um, and some of these classes are challenging, I'll tell you. Uh, but what I really enjoy is when you get a professor that understands you know, the challenges of the class. He understands that it's not easy. I um, mean, here and there, every now and then, they'll throw you a, a layup answer on a quiz or a test, and it'll just be something you don't have to think about. You don't have to put much, um, you know, research towards, but you know, a simple question like, you know, what color is the sky on a nice uh, on a nice day? Right, it's blue, and you, you get five points for that. And what that does is that allows you to realize and give you an encouragement of, hey. You're doing okay. Press on. The professor is not there to fail you. The professor wants to see you succeed, and so it helps encourage you. Well, after these beatitudes, uh, there, there's a lot there, and you know the Christian life should should showcase a lot of these. But Christ raises the bar for the Christian life, and He wants us to continue to excel still more throughout this life. There's never a point where you say, "I've arrived. I don't have to study. I don't have to do anymore." Uh, because there's always more work to be done every day that we wake up and that we're living here on earth. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up this series, and I want to encourage you in a way that's going to narrow your focus and put you in a place to where you want to run after Christ, you want to continue to um, fight the fight, right? Run the race, uh, that this Christian life is, because it can be tough. It can be challenging. And you're going to have persecution, both externally within the world and then internally uh, within your, your mind of, you, you know, Satan trying to tell you you can't do something, you're not good enough. But here's what I want to tell you. Out of all of that, don't seek after the task. Seek after a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're struggling in an area, seek after a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Be rooted in Jesus. Be all in for Jesus. Run after Jesus. And once you do that, once you have those deep roots, once you're tightly connected with Jesus, then there's never a moment that you, you're, you're connected enough. There's always, every day you wake up, you wanna strive on how do I be more connected? How do I have a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ today, should be your prayer and praying to Jesus for that. Once you do that, you'll be ready to face any persecution the world has to offer. You'll be ready to face anything that the world has to offer here. And these beatitudes that we studied this summer, they will be the result of your Christian walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these beatitudes that allow us to see exactly what it means to be a Christian. And we can look back at our life and say and check and and, and know that we're headed down the right path because uh, the result of our Christian walk is these beatitudes, the fruits the fruit of the spirit. All of those things just we don't we don't aim after those. Those are not the tasks that we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve a deeper relationship, a stronger relationship with you so we can continue to endure through these times, these tough times that this world is not easy and you never promised that it would be. Your scripture says it clear, persecution is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament alone. Lord, I pray that all of these men listening would, would take heed to that, to understand that, uh, yeah, this life is supposed to be tough. And if it's tough, then uh, we, we continue to, to, to seek you out, to, to hold on tightly to you because if we're, we're with you, we can get through this life. If we try to fight it on our own, the world will leave us alone. It'll make it seem like this world is easy, but that's not the route that you called us to, to go down as Christians, Lord. So I pray for all of these men um, within the church. Um, I pray that they would strive for a better relationship with you uh, today and then continue to do that every day moving forward. We thank you for the study. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and mercy uh, and kindness that you continue to show us. We pray that we can excel still more, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.